0: from Jerusalem, the only city on the planet, which is called the throne of the Lord, Jeremiah 317. Our theme song you just heard is Tukun Olam, which resonates the soul of this broadcast to help repair the world, especially the church and Israel. What can we offer that few others can? Tune in each week. Our message is coming from Jerusalem and will give real meat to the Word of God in this season of much-needed Bible truth. For the one billion Christians in the world, I would like to see this broadcast help you catch a glimpse of what you've been missing and to help you reconnect your faith to the missing link. I guarantee you'll go deeper in the Word of God From tuning in to Heartbeat for Israel, sponsored by Christian Friends of Israel, Jerusalem, at cfijerusalem.org. Why? There's so much to tell. Just join us now for our time together. Shalom, this is Sharon Sanders with Heartbeat for Israel, and this episode of Heartbeat, is entitled, Poking God in the Eye. We discussed briefly on our last episode, the poking God in the eye means that in Christendom, we have harmed his chosen people. Christendom has said we are the new Israel. Christendom has said God's done with the Jewish people, they rejected Jesus. Christendom has said, don't read the old quote, testament, unappropriately termed, by the way, the Jewish scriptures. And there's so much more. And it's not easy for me to deliver this type of a message. I love my brothers and sisters out there around the world who believe in the Lord and are disciples. But fact is fact, history is history, and if you visit Israel, it certainly is the Jewish people who know that Christendom, Christianity, has done them wrong. And for them, it's the same as poking God in the eye. I'm talking today about the hardest blow that Jesus took for us on that cross, and I agree with many others here. It had to be. Christian antisemitism. The beloved Cory Ten Boone, whose father and family saved many Jewish people during World War II said, I quote her, One day as father and I were returning from our walk, we found the Grote Market cardened off by a double ring of police and soldiers. A truck was parked in front of the fish mart. Into the back were climbing men, women and children, all well wearing the yellow star. Father, those poor people, I cried. And father echoed those poor people. But to my surprise, I saw that he was looking at the soldiers. Now forming into ranks, to march them away. I pity the poor Germans, Corey. They have touched the apple of God's eye. And that's a quote from Corey Ten Boom. You see, to touch somebody indicates how one brushes up against, or how a person handles another person either with kindness or disrespect. And it was not only the Nazis. Many civilizations have disgraced and humiliated the Jewish people during various wars, the Great Depression and economic downturns. And up until today, this is the year 2023, too few churches have given the Jewish people the respect that is due to them. It is correct that there were times when Israel needed punishing for her sins against God. But it is God's responsibility to respond to disobedience, not ours. God never gave anyone the authority. He never told the church that anyone could punish his chosen people. That was his task. His command to us, what was it? Genesis twelve three. Bless and not curse the children of Israel. That's what Papa Tim Boom was trying to tell little Cory, or young Cory, as she watched them being herded off into trucks to take them to concentration camps. He said, I pur- I pity the Germans, Corey. They've touched the apple of God's eye. In the coming day of Messiah, there will be a public judgment of sheep and goat nations. Read the book of Isaiah, chapter 58 and verse 10. Also include Matthew, chapter 25 and verse 40. What about Joel, chapter 3 and verse 2 and chapter 3, verse 12? And one more from Isaiah, chapter 58, verse 7. God's controversy with the nations of the world who have touched his people wrongly when they closed their hearts and humiliated the Jews may well be an embarrassing day for many countries and for the church. At the roll call of nations will be those who reached out and clutched the hand of a Jewish person in distress and helped him. And also present will be those who afflicted the hand of the helpless Jew, one seeking a comforter or a helper in their desperate situations that they encountered. Psalm chapter 17 and verse 18. Keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me, they close their ears to pity with their mouths. They speak arrogantly. They have now surrounded our steps. That's from the psalmist who penned chapter 17 and verse 8. A Jew. The phrase apple of my eye from the scriptures comes from a Hebrew expression that literally means little man of the eye. And it refers to the tiny reflection of oneself that they can see in the people's pupils. To be the apple of someone's eye clearly means that they are being gazed upon and watched closely. Our very image, it is said, is dancing in the eyes of that person. A young Orthodox man in Israel told me one day, you all poke God in the eye. In a way, he made it very clear that he was stating that Christians have slept God in the face and broken God's heart when they turned away. And they did for 2000 years from his people and did not reach out to help them when they needed them the most, especially during World War II, during the Holocaust, as Jesus and his Hebrew name is Yeshua, for he's a Jew in the flesh has stood in the shadows of the centuries, observing how Gentiles touched his people. I'm sure there were many times when he had to look away in sorrow as those who were carrying his name stabbed his people in the back and became accomplices in betrayal. I was with a Holocaust survivor one day and she said, Sharon, why didn't the Christians help us? They didn't have to love us, but they could have helped us. And I had no answers because I was young and I was just beginning to learn from the Jewish people. And I said, "You know, I don't have all the answers, but I think they forgot Jesus was a Jew." We're in the se- season of the restoration of all things, according to the Book of Acts in chapter three and verse twenty-one. God forbid the church derail further and run the train totally off the track, missing the blessing of its fullness because it didn't acknowledge nor accept God's plans and purposes for Israel in these latter latter days. I want to talk a little bit about the hardest lash, which I think was Christian anti-Semitism. I personally believe that the unyielding punishment of undeserved, sinful and ungodly actions toward the Jewish people by those who called themselves Christians must have been the worst blow endured by our Jewish Lord. Lashes of Christian pride, spiritual, spiritual pride, arrogance against them. Just what driving force did the church follow to treat the chosen people the way they have for so long? For all intents, the historical church seems to have been carrying a chip on its shoulder for centuries, and the Jews were their victims. I learned long ago, when I was very involved in the personal lives of survivors from Europe and the former Soviet Union, that the one thing they did was to watch my eyes when I was with them. They saw that the eyes are the window of a person's soul. And according to a Yale University study, most people feel as if their self, otherwise known as their soul, exists in or near their eyes. I have my own paraphrased rendition of the apple of the eye from reading the New Living Translation in Contemporary English, Good News, Holman Christian Standard and International Bible. I have strong feelings for those who carried the Lord's name and reproach his name to his people. I'm so sorry they did what they did and represented Jesus in the wrong way. Because it was as if God said, anyone who harms you harms my most precious possession, the pupil of my eye. Whatever you do to Zion, you do to me. My eyes, anyone who strikes you strikes what's most precious to me. Whoever injures you injures the pupil of my eye. What was done to the Jews, Jesus considered it done to him. In the New Testament, you can read that. It's pretty serious for those who did those things to the Jewish people. The theological anti-Judaism of the church fathers repeated endlessly in medieval and Renaissance Reformation preaching was the far greater culprit but because the church's preaching had long shaped the popular mind, a new phenomenon was able to come to birth, modern Christian anti-Semitism. Christians need to be aware of their almost total ignorance of Christian anti-Semitism, the violence perpetrated against Jews by fellow Christians. Visitors to the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum and other exhibits from the Nazi period have said, why has no one told us of these things? That's a quote from a Christian, Gerald Sloyan. Well, my experience of living in Israel tells us that many of the hard feelings between Jews and Christians is a result of the decision by the church to call the Jewish scriptures the Old Testament. I had an Orthodox Jewish man stop by my office one day and said to me, Sharon, why didn't the Christians follow the Judaism of Jesus? Good question. Somebody once said Christianity is Judaism for the Gentiles. I wonder, too, why did countless names, locations and pronouns get translated into Gentile terminology? And why wasn't there a clearer understanding of who's who in the New Testament? Are we talking to Jews or are we talking to Gentiles in these passages? When Christians stand together in church and sing, Our God reigns, it really troubles me. I love the song, but it's made crystal clear in God's word that he identifies himself with the Jewish people and calls himself the God of Israel, not the God of the Gentiles. People sing the song because they like the melody and the rhythm. And believe deep down, God has replaced Israel with Christianity. That song, which is so beautiful, brings us out. Replacement theology is a deceiving spirit, my brothers and sisters. It's a doctrine of demons talked about in the first chapter of Timothy, or first Timothy, rather, chapter four, verse one and two. Can this curse which remains upon the church ever be reversed? Only if tough decisions are made along with the command of the lord in genesis 12:3 i will bless those who bless my people came the decision to make a choice one becomes a blessing or a curse and the lord said choose blessing in the book of deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19 i have heard many christians and even some messianic jews express the idea that we do not have anything to learn from the Jews or their dead legalistic religion, but they have everything to learn from us. A great brother, David Lazarus, reported this one day in Israel Today magazine. Further, David says that this elitist and exclusive attitude is not only denied fair and honest access to the true gospel of Jesus, for our Jewish brothers and sisters, but it has stripped the church of much of her own rich heritage as heirs to the faith of our father, Abraham. Well, this is part one of poking God in the eye, the hardest blow being Christian anti-Semitism. I'm going to pick up next episode on how this all came about and how all of you out there, most of you, have never heard what I'm going to talk about on the next episode. And you might be the same as the brother who I quoted, Gerald Gerald Sloyan. Why has no one told us of these things? That's why I'm here. That's why God has sent me after many years of living in Israel today. And learning from the Jewish people, why there's so many misunderstandings between Jews and Christians. If you're searching for truth, we'll turn in next episode. I'd love to tell you more about how Christian anti-Semitism got off the ground and left the true words of Jesus behind. I'll see you next episode. Shalom, shalom from Jerusalem.